Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 223 of the In Squash podcast, and we're coming at you fast and furious with the uh, squash season fast approaching. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today uh, we have the host of the Rally Report podcast. It's a fantastic uh, new podcast, and the host is a young uh, young squash player himself. He played a squash at Wesleyan, uh, played number one for them, Sean Che, uh, and he's on today, and we talk about a whole uh, a lot of different things uh, obviously uh, we get into his podcast the rally report it's been uh, I think almost a year I think it'll be a year in November <clears throat> and he's already got 31 uh, episodes in uh, at this point so that that's going to uh, break all records I think I have 200 yeah this is 223 so uh, you know I think I was at, I'm averaging about that uh, 30 a year so he's uh, he's going to eclipse that and the guests on his podcast are great I think his last guest was uh, Amanda Sobe so uh, and before that he's had several good ones on there so go in and take a look at his catalog but we get into talking uh, about who he is who he is his backstory uh, born in Korea uh, I think he got his start in squash his dad played uh, a bit of squash in Korea at a couple of the same venues where I played while I was there uh, at the Grand Hyatt Seoul and uh, the Seoul Club, both two iconic uh, Seoul squash venues. Um, they're, they're just set in, in beautiful spots. I wouldn't say it's where uh, a lot of the, the Korean uh, top players play, but it's, uh, you know, the venues there are fantastic, and that's where he played his squash. We talk about Korean squash and the growth of the, of the game or lack thereof at the professional uh, level there. Uh, we also talk uh, quite a bit about growing the game in general there's been a bit of discussion on some of the uh, the squash community squash forums there on Facebook and on uh, on the Twitter there's been some uh, some talk and we get into a bit of that we also uh, go deep we take a deep dive in, into the PSA and uh, both of us are big PSA guys we we love to have uh, the big name players and coaches on our podcasts and we take a deep deep dive into there on several different topics we talk about the uh, the PSA's growth of the game we talk about the squash media in the PSA, uh, a number of different players, our forecast uh, for the upcoming season and what we thought of last season. So there's plenty on this podcast that we get into. And Sean Che, uh, he's, a, he's a young, uh, bright, uh, he's young and bright, and he's got a tremendous podcast out there, and I recommend it. So uh, before you go listen to that one, though, listen to this one. It's episode 223 with none other than the Rally Reports, Sean Choi. See you, man, and good to put a face to the podcast uh, uh, uh how are things uh things are good just been busy uh no it's really good uh, good to have you on and i'm just wondering uh, uh sean how does it how does it feel to be on the uh, the receiving end uh here uh jerry i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you i was a bit nervous when you, when you asked I, I quickly responded to you and after that i was like wait hold on i've, I've never really spoken in depth about i've always been just asking questions so i was a Definitely a bit nervous about it, and but I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird because the dynamics completely changed up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I, I I did one. I've only done. I've been in your shoes uh, once before, and it was a while ago. And uh, just like you in the beginning, it was a bit off-putting. But uh, the, the the podcast uh, that I did, they they were fantastic, and. Just oh, nice. Yeah. Years away a little bit uh, at the beginning. But, uh, at any rate, yeah, it's really good to have you on. And uh, the the rally. Well, yeah. Um, rally report yeah. is uh, thirty one episodes in. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, yeah. 
Just wanted to to get uh, into a little bit of your backstory. I, I mean, uh, I think you're doing well. The podcast seems to be doing well, but people might not um, be aware of your your sort of backstory. So I know I've done my research team has done a bit of research. Uh, you're you're uh, born in uh, born in Seoul. Went to uh, I could be pronouncing this wrong. Tabor Academy, right? Yeah, I did. And, uh, uh, yeah, Wesleyan Tabor. University. And you played squash for both of those schools. So uh, just in terms of uh, your squash, so how and where did you, where did your squash journey uh, kick off, I guess? Um, squash journey kicked off really with, thanks to my dad. I think he, he wasn't an amazing player, but he loved playing on the weekends. I think it was more of a social thing with a bunch of his buddies. And then he kind of brought me over and I got to really just watch and play. And then I started taking, you know, uh, lessons here and there as a, just a more so of a fun activity than a, a sport really didn't take it seriously till um, I realized, I think the squash scene in Korea isn't that big. So, you know, you quickly think you're really good at the sport, which is not the case. Um, and then I think I definitely got a little bit arrogant thinking I'm, I'm really good at the sport, even from just, you know, playing for fun and I, I must be a really good talent at the sport. And then I remember someone from, um, someone from Massachusetts, I think it was a talk squash was part of that, their academy and program throughout my high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the coaches came by to, to create, to just, you know, to do it, hold a small little camp there. And then he was like, Oh, you should come, you should come to the States for the, one of those camps. And I went and got really, you know, humbled by everyone. Right. Thinking, yeah. thinking and, <laughs> wow. Like, and I think that kind of like ignited a fire in me though, thinking mm. uh, I'm, I'm so behind. I, I, I want to get better. And you know, I, it's really, it's really upsetting when you think you're so good and then you realize you're really not that good and you want to catch up to that gap. So I yeah. started taking it seriously at Tabor and I had the opportunity to play at Tabor talking to coach. And I think with Tog and it, everything aligned together and then, really fell in love with it during my high school years. And I think we had a real, pretty solid team mm-hmm. at Tabor and just, just the exposure. And also my high school coach, uh, Steve Downs was immensely helpful even through my transition there at boarding school. I think he drove me to a bunch of tournaments just so I can improve and get exposure. So I think that really got, got me, got the ball rolling. Yeah. For me. That was wash. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, as I, I mentioned to you before, I think I spent from uh, uh, 95, 1995 to 2007 in South Korea, a lot of it in Seoul. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, as I told you, I was a pro at the, uh, I was the pro at the, the Grand Hyatt and over at the Seoul Club, which are basically right across the road from, from each other. And I, I, over the years while I was there, uh, gave lessons to quite a few guys who were playing for you know, either, you know, prep schools or yeah. you know, playing for Harvard or, or Yale or, or other right. universities uh, over the years. And, you know, it's probably a lot of guys just like you, some pretty talented uh, guys who just taken up the game a bit later and you know, maybe in uh, at the beginning of high school and just took a liking to it. And I uh, really enjoyed the, those times uh, giving lessons to those guys. It, it was a lot of yeah. fun. And uh, did you had did you where did you play your squash in uh, in Seoul? I, I played primarily at Soul Club. Okay, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, fan, yeah, great yeah. facility. The two dungeon courts there. But, yeah, the two dungeon <laughs> courts. Um, yeah, I also think I was at a really great time. I think there were a lot of older kids who would come back from the U.S. As you said, who we went to like prep school or we went to these um, really great colleges and universities who could come back and just, yeah, hit with us. And I, I think that was a really good for even for me to see being like, oh, I, something to aspire to at the time. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know uh, what you mean. Uh, in uh, when I was there, I, I did a lot of like I used to do this weekly training. It wasn't I wasn't coaching, but I had the national team. We used to train together once a week at the uh, at the Hyatt. And the guys that were on the team, uh, they weren't necessarily like great, great players, obviously, but they were super, super athletic and super fit and super mm-hmm. strong. I mean, I, I can just remember the, the, the legs on these guys were just massive. I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah, no. like, like, like Usain Bolt or Ben Johnson or what, you know, just yeah. really. And they, I remember there was this one guy, eventually he became very, very good. He was, he did really well in a lot of Asian tournaments and stuff, but I just remember those first few, like the first year and he was so he was just so fast. Like he'd run through all his shots, right? He, he'd like get to the ball and then not even, you know, he'd get to everything, but he was just so fast and so powerful. But eventually he discovered, you know, how to use his speed uh, a, a little bit better. But there, there were a lot of guys like that at that time. And then I think the game, uh, the game has sort of developed quite a bit. They have quite a few good lady players, uh, girl players over there. And the guys, I, I'm not sure, I guess maybe something to do with military service that sort of impedes their growth a little bit. And what um, do you so from, from what I've heard is um, the Korean professionals I heard get paid a good amount from the government. Uh, mm. I think just, just good enough where they can just make a living out of there, but it would, which that would mean if they want to travel internationally to get ranking points, it would be coming out of their own money that they've they've been given by the government. So they don't really experiment outside of Korea because they don't think it'd be a good inve- like return of investment for them. Yeah. So I think the system they have set up for professionals doesn't really allow them to really take that leap of faith and start traveling the world because it's yeah. not like the government's funding all their tournament fees and. Um, travel expenses it's just a fixed amount of income that they're getting mm. so why why would you i mean you should yeah. but it's it's tough it's a tough risk to take hey, that for sure i i was thinking about this the other day and i in, in knowing that that you were coming on and uh we'll we'll get we'll move on from this in a minute but uh it, it fascinates me because I, I i spent a lot of time there and i'm really close with still a lot of the, the guys over there and uh I just think like, like if they had, if, if they had the opportunity uh, to develop their language skills, like they're English, like a lot of these guys, they don't speak English very well, but the, academically, as you know, uh, Koreans do quite well, especially in science, sciences and maths, and they, they compete pretty well. Uh, I mean, if any of them ever took the opportunity to apply to like, like a university or, or get into one of these, uh, universities that offer a squash as a, a scholarship sport uh, that that could be a way of sort of entering into a professional squash uh, right I, I don't know if, what what do you think about that of uh, being you know ha- having a you know, the experience that you have it's, it's I think it's such a tough one because 
it's it's so polar and in Korea, I think either you're picking up squash because you you are very privileged financially, and you, I think the, I think it's hard because I think when you are very privileged financially and stuff, and you that's how you enter into the sport, then it's kind of, then you I think you value education more, and so it's hard. Even so, there are a bunch of kids who play college squash and who who might have taken squash very seriously throughout their high school years, but then they quickly transition out. I think there there have been a couple of players who are incredibly good, but then they slowly just fade out in college um, and they pursue education or it's really tough because it's coming from people with not so privileged, you know, financial backgrounds. And it's, and as you, as I think you alluded to it, the language barriers of that. I mean, if you even look at other countries who get recruited for internationally, they, at least they can communicate with, yeah. you know, what, what they need to do. They have in Korea, I feel like they have no idea what's going on. They don't even really know that the college squash scene exists. Well, they probably so don't. It's, yeah. yeah. So it's completely new to them. Um, so I think it, there's, there's a disconnect there. I think there's no middle ground for anyone. So, I mean, I'm so, I mean, I, the last time I was there, I was in Incheon and I played at that, in in their that training center, the national team yeah. training center. I was there. It was amazing, and they've got this whole place set up for all these young guys to board there, and they're away from their families and going to high school in Incheon and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, they have it all set up for these guys, but uh, may, maybe they just need uh, if if any of these guys because they are serious about their squash. Oh. Very serious about it. They, 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 yeah. In Korea, they, they 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 take it quite seriously. But as you mentioned, uh, I think it's just to to get to that level where they can get this uh, government funding to support them in yeah. Korea, right? Yeah, I, I think it's tough. It's yeah, I think there are so many hidden good players there. I think even mm. uh, even throughout the breaks throughout college, I'd go back and uh, hit with a couple of the national players, and I think, wow, these guys are. Yeah. unbelievable yeah like why are they not playing outside and then and then they tell me their story it's like it's funny because i think the government's paying them just good enough where they feel that there's no need yeah so if it was like a very small amount you know i feel like you know you're gonna start you know rolling your brain thinking like other ways of you know i need i need to make a name out of myself but i, I don't feel like they need, they have the urgency for that because of the fine line of how much they're getting paid yeah oh, definitely well, uh, we'll move on to from that, but I mean, to me, that's a set, that's a source of fascination and, and connection between the two of us. And like I yeah. said, I mean, those are some of the greatest members. I took the Soul Club members. We went to uh, and the Hyatt members. We went to play in uh, inter club matches in Hong Kong and Tokyo and Singapore. Wow, it was fantastic. Uh, yeah. I don't know if your dad was a member and might remember me or not from that time, but uh, took quite a few uh, guys over, and they were. They were great times uh, in Seoul. And those two venues are fantastic, aren't they? The, yeah. the Seoul Club and, and the Hyatt, right there on the, by the Namsan, by the tower. And you could just basically run out of the, the facility and do your, your, your hill sprints, right? Yeah, those are, those are those great. That, that place is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tried it? Have you ever run up that? I did. I did, yeah. um, I think. <laughs> no, not too many times. I think I, I think I know how many. I think I did it like three or four times. Um, yeah, I remember Not once counting. doing it, and uh, it was at night, and it was raining, and I was with the the tennis pro at, at the height, and we were we trained together every now and then, and uh, I just remember getting really really sick the next day because I mean it was raining, and we were 
going hard. And then the next day I was like, Oh my God, what, what did I do to myself? It's probably because that those, those hills, I mean, they, they, it, that's, that's quite steep. I mean, Korea is yeah. a, a hilly, uh, very hilly country. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and this, in the summers, the humidity. Oh my goodness! Oh geez, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't miss that, I'm sure. No, no, barely, not not many people have air conditioning over there either. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, unlike here, I'm in this air conditioned room right now, the headquarters of, of the In Squash Podcast, which uh, we're going to get to the rally report, and it's fantastic. Um, uh, great to uh, great to see what you're doing with it. Thirty one episodes, pretty much in one year. I mean, that's that's Joe Rogan esque. Uh, uh, it's that Joe Rogan territory. I mean, I think I'm not sure how many I've done in a year. I don't know if it's 30, but it, it, it would be slightly less than that, I think, because I'm up to two. This will be episode 224 with, with you. But this wow. that's over. That's over. I have. That's over I four have. years, I think. Uh, but uh, a long so ways to go. I'm no, 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 man. Uh, you, you, you've gotten started really well. So, what uh, sort of was the impetus uh, to start? I know my, what mine was at the time. There were none. There actually, there was one. It was uh, James Zug, and he's sort of the the pioneer of all of this, I, I think. Uh, so I looked at him, but he hardly ever produced. He didn't produce much. He wasn't producing much content. So I'd wait. I'd wait like three weeks for another episode to come out. And then I thought I can do this. Why, why, you know, and then that, that's how it all started. So what, what about you? Uh, how, how did, well, uh, the well, Jay, I, think, I think you're the, uh, the godfather of the squash podcast. So I think that's, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's such a, why did I start this podcast? Um, I think I was genuinely curious about these players and what they were going through during the season. And mm-hmm. I, I was personally speaking, I was in a bit of a null of a situation where I was trying to get a job and always wanted to do a creative project. Yeah. And I've been, do, I've been, you know, talking about doing a podcast for the longest time to my friends. And I, I didn't want to be the guy who was all talk and didn't put it to action. And I think there yeah. was a real chance of being creative with this. And I think there were a lot in terms of squash. I think there were a lot of unanswered questions for me behind the scenes of like, what's going through these players' minds during these matches how they felt during decisions, you know, what's going through their minds if they lost a match. And I wanted to get a candid approach to it. Um, And I feel a lot of the sports I watch, I try to consume as much content as possible from the sport. And I thought I really wanted a candid podcast for it. So that's what really kickstarted. And I was under the impression that there, you you were like one one other person was doing a podcast for Squash, and I, I did my research. And I realized there's a good amount of podcasts out there for yeah yeah for Squash, um, but yeah, I think that's what ignited the fire. And then again, in the theme of being arrogant, I thought I could just grab any player I wanted because these guys weren't like oh god no mega celebrities. <laughs> so I was just thinking, I think I shot email immediately to Farag. Which thank God he responded. He was just saying he kind of he did a very kind. Well, he's a super. He's the ni- nicest yeah. guy out there, right? He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was just thinking, like, oh, I'll just get Ali Farag, and my podcast will be kickstarted, and everything will be fine. And then yeah. realized it, it doesn't work like that, and um, I really need to get other players on. Tra- and then yeah, and then mm-hmm. I guess that's what really came. And then I, very fortunate that Victor. Victor said, agreed to be on and Victor he was our, Frank, he was my yeah. first guest. Yeah. 
So you, you might have, I guess you knew him through college squash uh, a bit. I, I didn't know him, but then I realized I was friends with him on Facebook. So I was like, you know what? At least if I message him, it's going to go through. I'm like 50 of the other people that I might have emailed or messaged. Yeah. Well, for me, like, uh, I just want to talk to you about the challenges and you alluded to, to that already. For me, the challenge, um, it's always been sort of uh, to get you know, I have, I have my dream guests and, and several of them, mm-hmm. I still, you know, I haven't had on. Uh, it's just getting certain people on and then, then not being discouraged by, you know, not hearing from them or, you know, maybe they said yes and they don't get back to you or, uh, you know, little, little, little things like that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, ch- you know, several challenges, not having enough time to do it and sometimes not feeling up to doing it uh i just took a little bit of a break from the over the summer like i didn't touch a squash racket put the podcast away for a month and uh i've just like done three episodes in in like five days (laughs) so i I mean i'm all fired up again but uh just in terms of uh you know you're the challenges that you faced uh i'm I'm guessing obviously you just mentioned uh you know getting started and but you've got obviously you have a few contacts out there. So uh, being, having played at the college level, um, that must be helpful in that regard. Yeah, I think really for me, the a lot of the college. If you look at my early, not my beginning episodes, it's mostly college squash people, mm-hmm. and I think um, that was a great way to start. And it wasn't my intention, but it was great because I think a lot, a bunch of the college guys were reaching out to me, being. Oh, this is fantastic. I, I didn't realize you're doing a college squash podcast. I was like, no, it's not a college squash podcast. It's a <laughs> squash podcast I'm trying to do here. But yeah, yeah they, I, I think they really paved the road for me because the more episodes you put out, the more content you have out, I think you kind of build credibility. Obviously, I'm nowhere near what you're doing. I have 200 something episodes. And so I think that, that there is a difference there. But um, I think players are more receptive to being on if they realize, oh, okay, Sean has done episodes with previous, these players. So I guess oh, he's, there's something to look off of. There's something to listen to and see if, if I do want to do it. So that, I think they really helped me really kickstart it. And yeah, I think from the, speaking of the challenge points, uh, there, I think there's so many challenges. I, yeah. I'm sure you can relate to. I'll tell you one of the biggest play. bonehead moves I ever, I ever made. Um, so, uh-huh. I've, not to mention like several times uh, having said, you know, nine o'clock and then the guy says, what do you mean? Nine like, like earlier today, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I did one with uh, Cameron actually it happened twice. Uh, Nick Sackfee and Cameron mm-hmm. Philly and uh, amazing uh, conversation with both of them. Uh, turns out I didn't record. Right. Oh no. Yeah. Twice. I did that twice. Yeah. Nick, Nick was really cool. Like he got back to me and said, let's do it again. Um, he's Canadian. We a lot of mutual friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cameron, I just felt terrible about it. I, I couldn't ask him. Uh, I sort of mentioned it and then we're going to try to do it again. But his was like amazing. It was like an hour and Oh, no. five minutes <laughs> oh no that that hurts me that so hurts i always me. do yeah oh, as soon as i as soon as i enter into the zoom boom the record yeah could be waiting 20 um, minutes but i think i think the, the the tough i think i had almost one that i need to scratch but ended up working was my episode with lisa aiken um yeah. what happened she's with amazing, that one she's i think she's probably the best episode probably the top three episodes I've done so far. Yeah. Uh, and a lot has to do with the player. It really, I'm just asking questions. So 
if so, an episode's good, it really has to do with the guest. But so she came on. I think we start we start we scheduled on for a Saturday, and then she, we had Wi-Fi issues, and so we were like twenty minutes in, and then we had to scratch it and reschedule for the next day because she was like, oh, "Why don't I get some better Wi-Fi and do this again?" Sunday arrives, and then similar issue or something. We had another issue, and then <laughs> we again scheduled for the next day on Monday, and at this point. She already knew the questions I had lined up. Very so it was good. like we were yeah. both putting up like a Hollywood performance of, okay, you know what I'm going to ask. I, I know the answer, but I got to act like I don't know the answer to these questions. Yeah, yeah. So it was, a, it was a mixed bag of it. Probably worked well. I mean, she, she had time to think about it. And uh, yeah. probably, as you mentioned, the best episode that you had. Yeah. yeah. No, so she, she what started off as a disaster ended up becoming one of the <laughs> Yeah, I've had a couple like ones. that where, uh, uh, I mean, I've sort of, got my hands dirty with uh, audacity which is what i use to sort of piece to edit my or mm. edit my uh, my uh, podcast and i had a really bad reception episode with um Tessney, uh, evans she was somewhere in a hotel room didn't have great wi-fi but every now and then it would come through really well and then boom something would happen so i, I kind of it took me like two hours or so just to piece it all together Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> but but it's sort of you know you can tell like I you know took out the used the scissors or whatever and took out little parts <laughs> of it here and there and but it it actually worked out okay but uh, yeah it's better just to reschedule I guess under those circumstances as long as the player or the the person you're interviewing is okay with it yeah wait Jerry I had a question oh uh, yeah who's still a guest that you you would really want one of your dream oh, guests uh, that you yeah. I, well Jonah I Barrington I think would be one yeah but, uh 100 I've been trying and uh I thought I had it and then it then oh, didn't come to fruition but he you know he's a little bit older and uh mm-hmm. you know uh, I can understand uh maybe he obviously this knucklehead from Canada wants to <laughs> wants to interview him but uh, I've been I've had Joey on uh, uh and he's hopefully going to come back on uh, uh, so there, there's that connection, but I don't like to to push it too much. Him, uh, a lot of the great guys like Jahangir, I'd love to have him on Jahangir Khan. Uh, yep. My dream one, obviously, I got that out of the, out of the way was Jonathan uh, Power. Wow, yeah, <clears throat> that on my my 100th yeah. episode. Because uh, I, I know I've I've actually played against him in the in the uh, as a junior, and we know each other a little bit, so. Uh, but yeah, some of my my best at my favorite episodes have just been with my buddies, like a couple guys that I've grown up playing with, and we just talk about the you know old old anecdotes, and and uh, they end up being really like one of the one of my favorite episodes was one with uh, this guy Steve Lawton. I know you probably wouldn't know him, but uh, he was the pro at the Vancouver Rackets Club, a legendary Canadian guy, like Australian long hair, has all the shots. Uh, just really uh, always going at it with referees and, and uh, he was, wasn't really anecdotal at all, but uh, just uh, the Australian accent and the, the crazy stories that he told uh, made, made it worthwhile. But uh, yeah, it's always, uh, uh, those are the challenges. We have similar challenges. I mean, you know, you want to get a certain guest on and, you know, sometimes you think you, you might get it and then it doesn't come to fruition and then yeah. there, you know, the technical things. I'm not a technical. Oh, me neither. I think this is my toughest part. I, I I'm not tech savvy at all. Yeah. So that process is just 
I'm like doing the process and I'm telling myself this is the most inefficient way of going about things. And I, I know it, but I don't what, know. What, how what to... do you mean? Like sort of what, what gets you, uh, what gives you trouble in that regard? Um, just like editing the podcast. Cause part of me wants to not edit it at all and send it out. Mm. Um, I try my best not to edit too much. Um, but I'm the like, same. Just, like I, I might say yeah. something really like I'll, I'll fumble. I do that all the time. Like I'm fumbling over my words and I, you know, I want to sound yeah. professional. So, right. but, but I, you know, like the, the most recent one I did, I know I, I just didn't come off very well and something that I said, but I'm just going to leave it in there. Yeah. Anyways. It, just, it takes forever yeah. to do, to edit too. too so. Yeah. And then processing it, I, I use a MacBook and I, I know I'm killing the laptop doing this whole processing of these out hour long uh, here heating up and I'm like this is this this laptop's not built for editing and yeah. then another another funny thing was uh shout out to these people who dm me being like uh I like your podcast your audio thing is ridiculous your mm. audio levels is so high your guest audio is so low and I was like I didn't even realize that was a problem and then they're like that yes. was I had the same issue yeah I was like, oh my God, I have not done the basic research of podcasting. Like, and then people out here telling me how to do it. And I'm like, so how do you do it? And it's like, it's simple. Just like search it up and you can you know, normalize the audio level. So yeah. I'm like using different sites to normalize and then putting it back in the editing file and then processing that. So it's a continuous loop of, of inefficiency. Yeah. No, I had that same, I had, a, a, it was actually a good friend of mine. He, he said, he mentioned it and, uh, so in not in audacity, I just did a search on uh, YouTube for audacity normalized levels or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, the, there are a couple of little, little things that I do, uh, and it, it sorted itself out. But uh, yeah, I'm not very tech savvy at all. Although I do know, you know audacity is great. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but uh, I use Auphonic. Um, okay, and yeah, they they normalize it and like reduce echo sounds and and stuff like that. Yeah. You got, do you have a microphone, a good one, like uh, one of these? Yes, I do. <laughs> do you, I should have plugged it on. Uh, was, no, it's okay. You, you, it you sound good. You sound great. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I actually do want to talk about part, though, the rally yeah. report is uh, uh, like 31 episodes. And I think, it, you know, if I do the math, I mean, I'm at 220, uh, 30 times four. Uh, I think I've been doing this four years so that you're right on par uh with me uh, i think you and you've got a few months to go so you can you could get that up to 40 uh yeah, try to crank it up yeah <laughs> try to hit 40 before the end of the year uh yeah. for my year mark um yeah i i i, I was gonna say i think one of the biggest challenges for me was i i think i'm not the way i'm going about the rally report it, it's not like the standard interview i'm trying to make it as a candid approach as possible and mm. trying to ask some, some uncomfortable questions and make it iffy. And I think sometimes a, it might come across wrong to the players. So I'm always taking that risk and then B some guests are just not going to open up and it, which yeah. makes complete sense. They don't know me. They, and you know, they're a professional player and, and then it ends up being like, this is not what I had envisioned with, what I wanted out of the episode and clearly they're not having a good time doing it. And then I'm like, Oh no, like this hasn't been great. So I think, I think, I think when it's I, a, I mean, yeah. the squash, the pro squash players really don't, they don't get any media outside. It seems like outside of their own professional squash association. Yeah. They always cherry, you know, they're going to feed them 
good, you know, easy questions, right? I mean, you look at uh, like ESPN and all these guys who are interviewing players after games, they're, they're going after them, right? With, yeah. with really difficult questions. So, and uh, sometimes they, they answer them. You get guys who are really forthright and then some don't. I think that's just, uh oh, my dog's uh, growling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let her out. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I know what you mean. Like some questions are can be tricky to, to ask, but, I, you know, I, I've got one coming up. I don't want to mention who it is, but I've got a, uh, yeah, because it hasn't happened. So I've got this thing where I don't want to mention yeah, yeah. until it happens, other, uh, bad karma. But uh, I've got a question and it's going to, it's going to be interesting okay. to see how they respond because it was a yeah, big, yeah. it was a hot button button issue at the end of uh, the last season. But I'm not like now. I'm not really that afraid. I guess you you can kind of test the waters early, right, and see see yeah. how things are going. Is that how you would approach it? Or? Yeah. So before every every um, guest comes on, I ask them, "Have you like listened to any of the other episodes?" Yeah. And usually, if they say yes, it's a good thing because they'll have a relative idea of what my, I might be asking. Like uh, one of the classic questions I ask is I, I ask who the most overrated player is on tour. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ask all my guests that. And then usually people who have listened to my podcast before will mention it before I even start recording it. Um, being like, do I have to answer that question? And I was like, are you not, op- are you not open to answering that question? And then, um, so yeah, if they've listened to it, I think they, they kind of get the idea of what I'm trying to do. Um, if they haven't, then I'm trying to like set the scene of it's, it's very casual. You know, you can say whatever if you, if you want to. Um, and yeah, I, I know what you mean. Even by like the first initial two questions, you can kind of tell if the person is, if the player is going to be open enough to say whatever, or they're going to be a little closed off and have some walls yeah. against you. So Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, and then, like, I, I'm not, I'm not sure about you, but like, I, uh, I used to be enamored with just, you know, trying to get all the the, the top players on the podcast, and it was just, it was just, uh, it was a bit depressing after a while. So, uh, I still am, I still am. We, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I look at a guy like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, James Zug, and he, I'm absolutely, he's had Rami on, right? So he, Rami is like. You know, I can't, I'd love to have him on, but uh, I'd love to have him on. <laughs> it, it, it's tough to get in. I think he's out there and the, he's a pop star now. So, <laughs> but, uh, but like, James, you look at the list of the uh, James could get a pretty much sure anybody, like he's had Jonah, I think he's had Jonah Barrington on anybody he wanted would come on because he has uh, this long history in, in squash and he knows just about everybody. But if you look at that's how I feel the, towards you. Yeah, when I when I see your stuff, really? I'm just thinking I'm baffled by how is how is he getting all these people on? I'm just <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, yeah, there are those that I haven't had on. I think it's just longevity, right? So if yeah. I, I mean, you've just had Amanda on, you've had Gina on, uh, you're gonna it's gonna happen, right? This, this kind of it happened to me the same the same sort of progression. Uh, so just bear with it. But with James, I mean. He, you look at the guy, don't know half the people he's interviewing, and he's just so fascinated with everything, right? It's all these yeah, old yeah. people. Uh, no, I mean, just sort of obscure squash stories, right? And uh, I think that's part of the, the thing that I 
I still haven't gotten my head around it or haven't sort of embraced that, but uh, it's something that I want to do a bit more of and grow, growing the game type of stuff, um, um, which I'm going to ask you about in a, in a little bit. I'm going to try to spend or pay a bit more attention to, to that in, in the next uh, little while. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, now, yeah, that's, that's the next thing here on my list is the growth of the game. Let, let, let's talk about that. Um, so this is something that's been bothering me for, for a little bit. Like I'll, I'll go and I, I, I've had, I had this exchange on Facebook. There's this uh, thing it's called the Global Marketing Squash Facebook community or whatever. And I know a couple of the guys that are there and they're always, they're a lot of, they're all naysayers, right? They're good guys and they're really trying, uh, but it's all doom and gloom, right? It's, uh, you know, uh, the this association or the WSF isn't doing this pickleball and paddle are taking over, which is sort of true, I guess. It is true. I remember reading your post actually about this. Yeah. Right. I remember yeah. reading your post about this. Yeah. Yeah. On Squash it, Stories. It, I think it you, was just yeah. a, a little, it was just about, it was a few days ago. And, uh, you know, it's all well and good to me to complain about, you know, what people aren't doing. But why aren't you doing something mm. like uh, yeah. like put your head down and like do something that that, that, that that's my response. That's my sort. That's what I was getting at. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what you, you think, but in terms of growth of the game, obviously squash is in, in a little bit of little bit of trouble right now. I guess it is in trouble. Uh, but uh, what, what are your thoughts on on that? If you if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've had, I think anyone who's played squash or anyone who's been part of this community has had countless of conversations about the lack of growth in this sport. And like, I, I think, you know, you can take the pessimistic route, like, Oh, it's not an accessible game. There's no you know, consistency and clarity and reffing. You know, there's, there's it's not going to grow. Um, I, I think right now with how the tour is going, I think this is the golden time to, to grow it with the personalities we have in the sport. Hmm. And for me, I think one of the big thing is having even like podcast squash podcasts or I, I just, I think we lack in soft media. Uh, I think that's something we very much so lack in. I think a lot of it is very, the main source I get your squat. I get my squash info is from either PSA or the squash site. And hmm. both forms are relatively objective um, commentary of the game of, match results, match recaps, yeah. and very uh, not transparent information going on. And I think um, I think a lot of it, which hopefully I you know, I could I could do more of this is having more subjective commentary of the game, having some controversial opinions, having posts. And I think this is why even on this Facebook forum, the squash stories has blown up so much is you know, you you you, you put out some outrageous opinions, people will comment and you know uh, you, it yeah, becomes it's great. I, uh, yeah, it's great. It, it, I, I mean, squash I stories. It. There, Jamie yeah. Maddox, who you should get on your podcast. Uh, he he's always stirring the pot, and that's something we we don't see at all in the you know the squash media that that we generally go to. Yeah, and even if you look at any other sports, you you know see some big time names like you know, ESPN Bleacher Report. It's all most of what. Personally, what I enjoy is the opinion pieces of, mm. you know, what, what does Jerry think about some of the controversy? And, you know, you might read, I'm like completely captivated by, 
you know, your opinion. I completely disagree with you, but I'm still reading the entire piece thinking, you know, forming my own opinion. Maybe I might put up a comment being like, completely disagree with you, Jerry, on this and then list out my opinion. I think there's this thing, there's this uh, unspoken thing of being hush hush in the squash community. There's a bit of thin skin in there, you know, especially at, you know, the the administrative level. Anyways, I'm not sure if, if, if that, is actually really true, but just seems to me like uh, we can't be, we can't shy away from, as you said, having a subjective uh, uh, conversation about what we see in the game, you know, the way we view the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I think one of the big, I mean, this season was full of, full of that, full of, oh, yeah. op- full of opportunities to have a subjective take of certain things. Um, for example, the salt band, where literally the article is just a salt band. Oh, God, yeah. And I was just yeah. like, there could, this could be a incredible article that could have been written up by someone with an opinion about it. And, you know, we saw that through squash stories, but if there was a official website for a subjective opinion piece, I think that would be great. And oh. yeah, also even with, even with me, even with what we're doing, um, I think I was, I was actually on a phone call chat with Connor from Squash Radio. Yeah. And, yeah. Great guy. And we were discussing about how it's so tough doing these podcasts, not going, not, not trying to not answer your question, going back to the challenge of the podcast, but um, how 90% of these podcasts we were talking is how good you are at marketing and promoting your stuff and not really the podcast itself to, to actually grow. But then when you operate, it's not a big, I don't have, no, no, I don't think any of us have a massive team behind as a pr- production gotcha. and all that. So, and, and like promotion. So when you're operating by yourself, when you're, by the time you're done with the podcast, you're so exhausted and you don't have any time <laughs> to promote it. So, yeah, yeah. And that's the key to actually, you know, getting it out there, you know, having people listen in. So I, I think if we have better people with marketing who, who can be in squash, I think, there are a lot of areas we can market it and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but I think any, other sport, any other sport and things like that. So I, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, how far you should go with these things. I mean, lawsuits and things. I don't want to be sued by anybody. But, uh. Right. But I mean, if, 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 <laughs> if it was any other sport and it's a, if it was to that degree of a series of an issue, you can't stop a million people commenting on on the story. Look at, look so. at the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, the, the mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean, look at what's going on with him. Look at what he did, and look at the scrutiny that everyone involved is is under. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't see that in squash at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those are and those are in a way a great talking point to I think help grow the sport. I think, you know, a lot of the media consumption now is yeah. short and snappy stuff. So, you know, a quick headliner like that with click baiting and I, you know, someone has an article or someone has a video on what they think. And then people who don't even know the sport be like, well, what's going on? Um, that yeah. seems interesting. Is, is yeah, this guy sure. I mean, the next curious? Band yeah. Thing, yeah. That happened. Yeah. You know, the assault band thing. That would have been juicy, yeah. a juicy news story. Yeah, it didn't get out there, but uh, and still, still, we don't know really. Yeah, and, I mean, we're, we and we're not the, we're not allowed to talk about it either, which is ridiculous. But not, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So the growth growth of the game, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. I, I um, I just think I think 
people, there are a lot of good people out there. Like, like you get guys like Richard Millman, you've got guys like, uh, uh, Galbraith, the guy who's involved in the outdoor squash courts. Uh, in oh the- yeah. He's, yeah. he's been great. He's been great today. I, I just wanted to give him a quick shout out here. He's been oh, cool. Phenomenal. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. been phenomenal to me. Uh, I, I live in New York. So, I mean, in terms of, yeah, again, growth of the game, I, it's so hard to even play at any of these clubs because it's, I can't, I can't play anywhere. And he's, he's been kind enough to just let me hit any time I want there. So okay, uh, really? I'm incredibly yeah. grateful to him. And yeah, it's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, what he's doing to promote that, the outdoor, yeah. I mean, it's obviously just New York city, but or I think they have a few other courts around, but the, it's that kind of stuff. And uh, other people like the open squash guys who are, you yeah, know, yeah. they're, they're doing, you know, they're, they're really working hard and, and trying to, so develop the game. It's that, it's that kind of stuff. I think what you do, what we're doing is just sort of spreading the word and, you know, getting, you know, you know this kind of stuff out to people. I mean, that's part of uh, growing the, the game as well. So. Yeah. Uh, lots of work to be done, but I think it's, I think it's possible. And I think we, it's looking at the bright side. I think it's already grown. I, I in terms of conversations rolling, um, I'm, I guess I'm relatively new to the squash story scene and I didn't know I had no idea people had that many opinions about everything. Oh, God, so yeah. I, it gets really fire. It gets yeah. quite fiery. Uh, it's uh, there are so many polarizing issues out there. Like mm-hmm. obviously the assault uh, thing. I think assault's war- people are warming up to him a bit more uh, lately. I get yeah, that yeah. feeling, but um, anyways, let, let's talk a bit about the, the PSA uh, season, the uh, last season and this season. Obviously we, we both love it. We both love the, we love the PSA uh, uh, and the season is sort of fast approaching. So firstly, uh, in terms of the men, I think if, I don't know if you looked at the rankings, but it's like the first time in forever that uh, I think there are only two guys, two Egyptians in the top five. Uh, one, one of which, uh, oh, Mohamed yeah, yeah. El isn't the, the playing, he's playing for England now, obviously. So it's amazing. Uh, Farag. Is oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and Farag is uh, back at number one. That's all. Is at three. Cole relinquished number one, but he had a fantastic season. So, uh, just uh, from your perspective, uh, um, how did you feel about uh, 2021, 2022, and what what's your forecast for uh, the upcoming season on the men's um, side? Yeah, this is good. This is good. I, I'm actually thinking of before the season starts to do a power rankings uh, yeah. episode. So uh, I guess this is a good warm up for it. Um, I, well, in, in terms of last season, I, I thought uh, on the men's side, I was I was incredibly entertained uh, yeah. since Assault's return. Not to only talk about Assault, but I was never really a huge fan of him. And then when he got banned, I realized I guess I am a little bit a fan of him because I missed him. Even a two month ban in the grand scheme of things is not a long time. But even with two months, I was thinking. Oh my god! The, yeah, especially when got... when you don't know when you don't know what happened. Yeah, like, like you know, at least at least reveal what exact what happened, right? Yeah, and then yeah, there's so many good points. I think, especially with I think the question behind Mohammed El Shabagi, I'm still a skeptic on what what on where his form's at. Mm. Um, I know, I know, he's really kind of turned it around towards towards the end i'm not really that sure i think the game's become real i don't even think it's a 
you know, some could argue that it's a physical drop off on his end. I just think the games also become incredibly more physical, even talking to the players and, you know, there, there needs to be an adjustment on that. And another talking point would be a little curious where Farag's headspace is at, mm. um, how he feels. And, you know, we, we also got, again, alluding back Farag, to Saul. I mean, just to, just to jump on there. Yeah. I mean, he, he's still young, right? He's still quite young. Uh, I think with uh, the, and he'll probably, I mean, he's back at number one. Right. And I'm not sure yeah. if he, if he wants, uh, I'm not sure what the relationship is like uh, between uh, Saul and all of these other guys. I think it's pretty good with Sherbaggy, Sherbaggies, but the others. Yeah. He's been, he's been really vocal, uh, vocal spokesperson for us all. I thought, have, have you, have you caught that as well? I, Who's that? Sorry. Have you noticed that Mohamed El Sherbet is really vocal oh, on being supportive about Vassal? And I, yeah. I think that's a pretty cool dynamic. I think, well, I think the, he's a bit of a, I, I don't know, like he, he has, he's a bit been hard done by, I think in Egypt, uh, maybe because he has a, went to England, right? Yeah. Uh, for schooling. So maybe not, he felt he wasn't treated uh, with respect or properly. And then he sees Vassal, Vassal always treated him with respect and, yeah, you know, then there's the, the you know he's having some issues with certain players over there, Tarek Moman maybe the the big one, but uh, and others, but um, yeah, yeah, I think the two of them are, are you know. Joined. I actually am actually not a fan of them getting along. I would have loved to see a fiery match between the two of them with you know <laughs> yeah. with animosity between the two players, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I, they also haven't played that much. I think they've only played. In that um, CIB World Tour Finals, I think a year back, not this season, but the past season. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't like it when I like it when Trebay is fired up and oh, is there right, to yeah. cause cause some issues. I think when he's a little too nice. What I think happened that's what at that the end? There was some he something happened at the end of the last right at the end of the season. He there was something on court. He kind of blew up or did something. I forget which it was near the end of the, the season. Are you um, talking about the Paul Cole match or? Yeah, it might've been that one. Um, in the world champ, in the world champs. It might've been, yeah, something happened and I, it, it escapes me, but uh, yeah, maybe his form, he just sort of gave, or no, he got in the, oh, he got in an argument with the officials about something. I, I forget what it was, but um, do you recall? Uh, um, yeah, I do recall. I do recall. I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I think actually it's not world champs. I think it's the one he lost to uh, El Guna against Paul Cole. And then he, I think it was down 10, seven or 10, six in the fifth game. Yeah. And then he just blew up at the ref and then left and then he got a conduct match. Yeah. 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 And then he, I think he apologized. I forget. The issue was. I forget uh... Uh, the issue was so he thought there was a complete inconsistency between a decision in the fifth game. And he said it was identical situation in the third game, which he, uh, he was, he got, Paul got a stroke from, and then he got a no let on the same situation, in the fifth game. Right. As, and the fan point of view is not the same situation. Um, I also thought he was gassed out and he kind of just blew up <laughs> for the reason to blow up and just, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah because Paul, I I mean, a lot Paul, of, Paul yeah. he, he's a, probably, one of the, you know, he does have, I, I find sometimes he blocks a little bit, but, uh, you know, mm -hmm. he does have, uh, he's probably one of the fairest guys you'll find out there. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah. Um, but, uh... but yeah, even, even with Paul Cole, I think, you know, we've just talked about where all these players are going to be. I think also going back to Saul, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people. I, I'm, I'm not concerned, but I, I could kind of see him beginning to just dominate the tour mm. uh, beginning next season. Like I think Rami did back in 2012. And um, yeah. I don't know how, how that's going to shake up the dynamic because considering the way you finished off that season, he was just dispatching yeah, yeah, Barack exactly. and Cole with ease. Yeah. So I think that could be another huge storyline for the upcoming season. And speaking about these couple players, you know, and then we got Paul Cole in the mix, who's going to yeah. be always consistent and constant. So yeah, he's got I, Rob you know, Owen in his corner. I know Rob's going to be, uh, he'll be, he'll be plotting, uh, plotting that getting back to number one, pretty, uh, pretty seriously, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we got, we got Diego, I think yeah, who yeah. Is the biggest enigma at all. Um, he is, I'm, I'm he hearing, is. I'm I hearing that so much talent, but then oh sometimes yeah. when the chips are down, uh, he goes down, you know, uh, just on occasion, like when, when some, when it gets a bit difficult for him, he kind of caves in on occasion. But uh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know why people don't talk about this as much. I, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, let, let, let's I, talk about it. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, Cause he's got so like, you know, I had whale, uh, his coach, I think one of his coaches on, and I kind of mentioned that to him and he, I think he agreed with me uh, basically that he needs to be a little bit, you know, find some mental fortitude or toughness there when thing when the chips are down. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he kind of, he does implode. He does implode mm. and he has been imploding. And it's, I guess it's just been hidden by the fact that he's pretty, he's not a very talkative guy. And um, he's, he also, I think seems to be a likable person, which is why it's, it, it hasn't been brought up as much, but he does implode at the most odd situations and then just loses the match. And I think, for someone at his talent, yeah, like he's a, he's a mega talent. He's not just he's yeah. a mega talent. I think him talking about mega talents, I put him he's in with a, the mix of like a ma- racket is magic, right? Yeah. And assault lot, Diego, a like and, a assault yeah. with what you know what they can do with the ball and the movement and the the you know the, the he's got everything. Yeah, the understanding yeah. of the game. Um, yeah, so it blows my mind that he's not. I mean, he's there, and it's also kind of hidden by the fact that he's top five. Yeah, he's four in the world now, I think. Yeah, but he should—he should have been there. I think he's been very much so in the same spot. I think for the past two, three years. Yeah, and I know he's young, but come on, like a talent like that should be in the top three. Yeah, Um, for sure. Well, it's going to be interesting this season, uh, just to see if Paul uh, makes it back to one. What happens with Ali? Um, I agree with you. Maybe Mohammed's just sort of hanging on there and just his talent and, uh, you know, will to win. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, he's not one of these guys who's going to give up too easily, but, uh, you know, I think he made a point. He proved a point uh, at the end of last season that he's, you know, he still has what it takes to, to play yeah. at that level. Yeah. And I, I always, I always love it when these rankings shift because, I think a lot of it also has to do, especially in the top eight or tops, top seven in the men really depends on who you're playing. And I feel, I think it's really cool that certain players have 
uh, a better record against others. Some players just completely can dominate one of the people within the top seven. So when these rankings switch, these draws make it so entertaining. I think I was checking the Qatar um, one, which is coming up as the first platinum event. And I think we have Farag and um, Shrabaggy, you know, matched up in the third round. And I think Marwan and Asal in the, in the second round, they're already That'll be on together. Like That'll that. be on so, <laughs> so yeah, it's just like, it's cool stuff like that when you, cause I love to see it when the draws are a little changed up. Cause sometimes it's the same exact draw and then for the quarterfinals. So yeah, it'll, it'll yeah, be definitely, cool. I mean, we could talk all day about this, but I want about the men's, yeah. but the, the women's uh, was equally as entertaining, perhaps if 100%. not more. Uh, at the end yeah. of last season, I mean, one of the high, uh, uh, or right now, Noran uh, Gohar is number one. Sherbini's just behind two, uh, and Hamami's there at three. And then a uh, guest that you just had on, Amanda, uh, yeah. he's, I love watching her play. Uh, she's at four, but uh, the end of last season just was amazing. That match uh, between uh, Hamami and, and Gohar. I mean, yeah. they, every time they play, you got to, it's box office because there's, you know, I'm not sure why or I'll, I'll, we'll have to find out soon, but they do not like each other. <laughs> Jerry, I've been, I've been, I've been milking so much out of this, of my podcast, just talking about those two, oh, trying man. to ask all the players about what their thoughts on, on that relationship. Um, yeah. I, I think as you, as you mentioned, I think the women's tour is incredibly, uh, in, in really good hands right now. And it, and the great thing is you have really, you have no freaking clue who's going to be where outside of that, the top three mix. Um, yeah. And I think even I'm so curious to see whether, where Gina's going to be. I think this is where it actually becomes very interesting because I think she's made it to where she belongs. Now what's going to happen in that. And another great storyline is, is anyone even remotely capable of cracking those top three? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Amanda. I mean, Amanda has shown signs of being able to beat them, but not on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think she mentioned that as well. It's the consistency for her. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the case for for everyone below number three. Uh, <laughs> they just they, they don't have the consistency. They have uh, a few, you know, good results uh, against those top players. And, uh, but it's going to be, like you said, Gina is such a great athlete. Like she, she can do, she can, I mean, she's, she's faster. She's stronger physically than pretty much every other girl there, uh, I would say. But it's just uh, the, the other part of her game, the sort of the, the racket part. Um, she can, yeah. you know, being able to, you know, put the ball away at will or, you know, use a bit of deception here and there, but with her speed and, and uh, athletic ability. I'm sure her coach, um, I forget his name. You remember her, uh, Gina's coach? Oh, I have blank I'm sure her. they've got a good plan uh, together. Yeah. Uh, he'll, they'll be planning because he uh, apparently he's quite uh, quite a technical uh, guru. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I there, yeah, there's so many good, and I, and even though, even with the top ten, yeah, I I think the top ten is so entertaining with the, on the women's side. You you never I. There's so many players who I think could be cracking into that and so many players who are in jeopardy of their position in the top 10. I think, you know, the likes of, you know, the, we have the, you know, the perennial top 10 players like Joel King or SJ Perry, who I feel like they need to, they need to step it up where these, there's so many young players are coming up at them right now. And I think 
Gina's um, win over SJ at the Commonwealth was kind of a big, big sign that, you know, these, they're not only Gina, but there are other players who are going to be coming at them. I think kind of wanted to talk about the really impressive girls. uh, um, Supermanium is, Oh my goodness. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Uh, I just hope she recovered from that uh, car crash. I think she has, but uh, she really impressed uh, me at the end of last season. Yeah, and I think if we're talking about names, I think Hannah Motaz from Harvard. Yeah, I think she's yeah. going to be another Gina type of case where she simply just hasn't played professional tournaments, but she has been ripping through the college squashing, and the college squashing is no joke on the woman's side. Yeah. Um, I think she's also mm-hmm. one to watch, and I also think um, there's this player from Japan. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw it at the end of last season. Nabe, uh, yeah, another player who I just think hasn't played tournaments, but. Is I heard she was an incredible junior player. She was always in the mix, and then she just with COVID, she wasn't able to travel. But I think she was matched up with Hania, and then she took a game off of her. And I was just like, I don't really see her as she's technically so sound, amazing athlete. Yeah. I, there's so many players like that, and then also I think Tina Gillis. Yeah, yeah, she. I mean, physically, she's, she. I mean, she. She's she's in the form of her life right now. Super strong, and yeah, she's a strong girl, right? Uh, yeah. Nele is amazing. I love watching her play too. She's she just moving around like crazy and, and she hits the ball uh, with, with a lot of good pace as well. So, yeah. 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 But that, that whole, I mean, the, the, the women's game at the end of last season, the match between uh, Hamami and uh, Gohar, when, when, yeah, obviously when she hit her with Everyone's the ball. just waiting for their next match now. Everyone's oh, just waiting yeah. for when the next. Yeah. Um, also, but, I mean, have, I, you, I, I uh, have you ever seen anything like that I've, I, I've never seen anything really like that on the pro tour where it was it, it was completely set up by the officials right because she'd yeah. gotten a no let I on the same situation like uh, in the game previous i think it was right she was uh, trying to hit she was going to hit it off the back i think kanya was a little further to the left so she did have a bit of room but she she played yeah. a safety let and i don't know why officials aren't given safety lets and then uh, now we know why or now we uh, yeah. now they should know why right because right. jesus imagine getting hit no, by her oh. <laughs> oh, i think she's the last person in men's women's tour combined yeah she's the last probably the last person you'd get want to get hit by um i'll tell you a story like i um here in dubai they had the uh, the the psa tour finals and this was like mm-hmm. they had it here two years in a row and this was like four years ago and she was not at the top of her game. Like she'd made it but uh, to the tour final, but she wasn't at the top of the game. This is right after she'd won the world championship or reached world number one for the first time. She was only 19 or something, maybe 20. And uh, I just saw, I'd never really heard of her. I know the name, but I just saw her warming up. And I said, Jesus, Jesus Christ, she's she's amazing. Like just, just hammering the ball, and I and she moves so well, like into in and out of the corners. Uh, I just thought, like, why isn't she number one in the world? I think she was just going through some yeah. sort of a mental thing. But but yeah, uh, I mean that that whole situation, the way it played out at the end of last season, oh just made it was such great drama for the game, wasn't it? I, I've heard, I've heard actually that Hania will stay after these. Uh, she, Hania has always been, she'd usually leave after she's lost out in the tournament. Apparently for that one, she stayed behind just to cheer on Norrell Sherbini in the final. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. 
Yeah, she was there um, in the with the group of girls uh, at in the yeah. back. Yeah. So like it's it's getting out of hand at this point with how bad the relationship is between the two of them. It's yeah. Um, so but I also did want to mention. I think they play on the same club team, don't they? Like in Egypt, like they 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 play for the no. Same I don't think so anymore. No, I don't think they so. used to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think back in the day, but not anymore. Um, I think yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that has something to do with it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah sorry, I was going to ask about, uh, say about Nora Altaya, but I feel like I just wanted to mention her name before yeah. we move on because she's someone that I think is very much so capable of beating any of those top three girls as yeah, she's yeah. shown, and just because you know she was out for a bit with her with her child. We, we kind of forgot about her and how good she is and so great to see her. And I think that just makes it more entertaining and, you know, more unpredictable of what's going to happen next season. Oh, for sure. I mean, she's one, I mean, what, what we saw at the end of last season where, where these girls were so determined, they, they fought so hard, uh, you know, case in point, what we were just talking about, but she's one of the, like, she never gives up. Right. Oh, no. And uh, I think she, yeah. like you said, she gives, she, out of anybody, she gives uh, below the top three. She'll she'll give uh, all of those girls a tough time, and, and is always capable of beating any of them. I, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. Uh, it's just the way she plays. She she just plays a fearless uh, type of uh, squash. Like she goes for her shots. She she's un so unbelievably uh, her movements unbelievably. Uh, oh my god! But she gets yeah. to everything. Almost, <laughs> yeah. She is an unbelievable mover. Both her and Farag, but in a very different way. Yeah, Farag's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, 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 out of all the players, I think he has the most sort of unusual game, but it's so beautiful to watch, like what he can do with the ball and move the way he moves it around and how easily he moves around the court. I, yeah. I try to emulate that, but... The, uh, <laughs> oh, same here. Same I here, Jerry, 50, and I realize it's a, it's a bit I don't have his body type. So, <laughs> yeah. But Sean, uh, I mean, we've been here for an hour. This is fantastic. I just wanted awesome. to, uh, um, you know, in closing, give you the opportunity to sort of talk a little bit more about uh, the rally report and uh, what you got coming up on, on the podcast. Uh, uh, anything you want to uh, sort of promote uh, going forward for, for the next little Wow. Awesome. Yeah. No, thank you for giving me the platform to do that. Yeah. So um, yeah, you can find the Rally Report on, on, on YouTube, on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And um, I'm relatively active. I'm not really amazing at social media, but I, I am pretty active on Instagram. I, before I have these guests on, I'll put up a questionnaire so people can put in any questions they want. So I got, um, I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, feel free to do that. And what's coming up, I got, I got actually saw Mahani's episode coming up today in a couple hours. So Excellent. that'll be, that'll be up soon. And I have Charlie Lee coming up, his episode's done and I have Sabrina Sobe coming up. And then I have, um, I have a couple episodes I'm thinking with doing with Stuart Cropper. He's, he's a, he's a lifesaver for me cause he's such a credible source. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to do a couple episodes with him about like power rankings or, you know, people who can threaten the top 10. So as I mentioned before about like the soft, soft media subjective commentary of the game, I think those, those episodes are always great. Perfect. So I have a couple coming up on there on those end, but yeah, I just really trying to grow the podcast and trying to follow your footsteps, Jerry. 
Well, well, yeah. Well, you, you know, I'm humbled by those comments, uh, Sean. But uh, it, it was great getting to know you a little bit better uh, here, uh, and uh, really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, let's do it again. Uh, maybe we can uh, collaborate in some somehow, some way. Uh, um, and I love your podcast as well. I haven't listened to all the episodes, but uh, um, I'm definitely going to go in and uh, 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 listen uh, to the to the Sobe one. I haven't listened to that one yet, so. Mm-hmm. Or, or no, you mentioned Lisa Aiken uh, was, was a good one. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, if I were to plug a couple of the good episodes, uh, no hard feelings to the others, but I'd say the Lisa Aiken one is great. I think the one I did with Andrew Douglas was yeah, really he was good. Great. I had him on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he's great. Good. I think, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm such a huge fan of him. And then I think the one with Patrick Rooney um, was fantastic. He's such a funny guy, and he will say whatever. He, whatever yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those are... a talented player i mean he he's a guy that that we have to watch out for in 2022 uh as I well agree. i think he's got the right people in his corners from the uh the pontefract stable right yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right all right sean take care and uh, many thanks for today cheers well now you know why you ought to go over there uh, to the rally report and take a look uh, several great episodes and you've got a bright young uh, podcaster uh, squash enthusiast in sean Chue. he comes at it from a youthful angle unlike this old chunk of coal right here many thanks to sean for that and uh, again it's the rally report and you don't want to miss it he's got some upcoming episodes uh, as he mentioned on the pod that are uh, really really intriguing so check that out uh, along with my podcast of course but uh, upcoming on mine uh, I just finished a great chat with Noran Gohar and uh, you're not you're, you don't want to miss that one it'll be coming up in a few days uh, we've got Sorv Gosell uh, Daryl Selby coming on to talk about uh, the end of his career he announced his retirement uh, a few weeks ago we'll be talking to him about that and about his illustrious uh, squash career he had a tremendous one we've got several uh, big name coaches don't want to uh, break the jink I don't want to jinx it uh, uh, by dropping any names yet but uh, some big name coaches coming up as well so stay tuned for all of that some some other players coming on uh, also growing the game topic uh, guests coming on as well so lots to look forward to in the upcoming week months uh, it's all uh, coming together here towards the end of the year and towards the beginning of the squash season i hope all of you are well take good care Uh, All the best with your squash, with your health, with your families, everything like that. I hope uh, everything is going well for you. It's the weekend uh, here. It's Friday. I've got a half day at work, so looking forward to shutting down that shop and getting onto the squash court and maybe play a little bit of golf on the weekend. The weather here is starting to uh, cool a little bit in in the mornings and later in the afternoons as well, so it's slightly more bearable, but I've got my sights set on... uh, ramping up for the squash Gary Nesbitt really uh, got my sights set on that and get uh, getting into gear in terms of uh, training and preparing for the upcoming season I hope the same is going well for you take good care take good care and uh, we'll be talking to you very soon don't forget Noran Gohar is coming up in a few days you don't want to miss that one take care now and we'll talk to you soon goodbye now